is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's path with an S. Hey everybody, welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm John T. And I'm Jackie P. Um, today on our episode, we are going to be talking about socially acceptable addictions. This is another episode that one of our listeners asked us to take right. a look at. And um, it's a phenomenal idea, so we're going to do it. And we really appreciate um, the help we get from our listeners in on suggestions on for suggestions. topics, yeah. Um, something to look forward to. We do have an episode we're gonna we're gonna try to get a panel together for people talking about being young in recovery, uh-huh. which was another listener suggestion, right. um, which we thought was great. So uh, we're going to be talking about socially acceptable addictions, and this will probably turn into a series. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just start out with listing. What what are socially acceptable addictions? Yeah, I, I think these are hard even to see as addictions um, because they are so socially acceptable. Right. It seems like one of the criteria for addiction is everybody hates you for doing it and sees it as a problem. Yeah, or it's causing really negative impact, which with the socially acceptable ones, there is some negative impact, mm-hmm. but it's so socially, socially acceptable that oftentimes those negative impacts get whitewashed or glossed over. Yeah, or or we look at those negative impacts as, well, that's the price you pay. Like, yeah. I would say that um, money obsession is a socially acceptable mm-hmm. addiction. And, um, you know, there's, I think there's plenty out there in the, the stereotypes and the, the lore around this that people who have a lot of money may have really crappy relationships, but it's just, it's just kind mm-hmm. of the price you pay. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe they're not quite uh, the most compassionate human being when it comes to their business pursuits. But, you know, they make a lot of money. Right. Right. Um, That's just how millionaires are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which also, I think, glosses over some of the... And, and, you know, this may come as a shock to most of our listeners' ears, but there are some legitimate problems that come along with having a lot of money. um, Yes. Legitimate social problems. And there are problems that don't get solved. Yeah. With having a lot of money. Yeah. And so the, there's also another side of this that gets glossed over in the, well, that's just how millionaires are. Because mm-hmm. um, it can be really isolating mm-hmm. to be wealthy. Yeah. Um, you, you may have to, you know, look out for people who want to use you and feel like they're entitled to your money. Right. And that has its own impacts as well. So that's that's one of the socially acceptable addictions that we look at as a money yeah. obsession. Another one I think that goes along with money obsession is the workaholism, mm-hmm. right? That a lot of times um, we see working a lot as another another like side effect. Well, that's just the mm-hmm. price you pay mm-hmm. for having success or having money, which not all workaholics have success and money. Yeah. Um, there's you know two different sides or there's a continuum of workaholism mm-hmm. but workaholism is typically a acceptable addiction mm-hmm. and that I, that goes at least in this country it goes all the way back to the foundations of this country that Protestant work ethic mm-hmm. that those who work hard are rewarded mm-hmm. um, with success and, and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. and make it work yeah mm-hmm. so we've really I think glorified and almost deified that. Um, Mm-hmm. aspect of, of life um, with this there, there's no problem with a good work ethic and we'll often talk about workaholism mm-hmm. as he's just got a really strong work ethic right 
Um, and anytime we're talking about um, addiction, one of the criteria for that is that other necessities and other priorities in life can't be the priority that they need to be. There's uh-huh. there's this obsession to the exclusion of other really important yeah. life factors. And so in workaholism, we see that. Right. Um, that work goes to an extreme, and so there's not a balance in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, their children suffer, their spouses suffer, their relationships suffer, uh-huh. they suffer. Oftentimes their coworkers suffer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, you know, Steve Jobs would fall under that category as, as well, like uh-huh. very driven, um, visionary, but it was really miserable to work with him. Right. Um, because that's all he was driven by. That's all that caught his attention Yeah, was, was that vision. Um, I would say exercise is another one of those yes. socially acceptable addictions. Yes. And what goes along with that, right, is the, um, oh, what's the word for it, where you're really strict and regimented about your eating like restricted eating and yeah the mm-hmm. i think there's a word for it it starts with o or something like that i was going to look it up anyway yeah um but that yeah where there's a food addiction in terms of i eat extremely extremely healthy mm-hmm. and i'm very restrictive in any like not good food mm-hmm. um this one the exercise and the food restriction um addictions those really speak to me of an underlying dynamic for i think most addiction is terror uh-huh. um you know a lot of people i've worked with clients before who have been obsessed over their bmi mm-hmm. and um you know everything is in perfect working order their heart's great their blood pressure's great all that but if i can grab some fat on my body like i've still got some yeah. work to do even though it should be there, like that's just where your skin mm-hmm. and your fat has to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and when you bend that way in your body, mm-hmm. you have extra skin right there. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, my, my father-in-law is a painter, a painting contractor. And um, he tells this story, which I, I'm inclined to believe that this is true. He, he painted this woman's uh, dining room and kitchen and he gets a call at like 10 o'clock at night. And she says, I thought I loved it earlier on, but I've noticed something that's just glaring and I can't. Like, I can't live with this. I need you to come look at it now. Oh. And so, you know, he's just a small business. Like, he's the only one that does it. So he, you know, hustles over there. And she's standing on a chair in her dining room. And the story, this is where the story changes every time. The the way that she's contorted changes every time. But she's essentially looking at this spot upside down and with, like, half of the lights on and half of the lights (laughs) off. And she's like, when I look at it from this angle, it just doesn't look right. (laughs) And he claims that he said, just don't look at it from that angle and there won't be a problem. <laughs> um, and what you're saying about like body fat and the way that the body works, like right. there's some aspects of being human beings that there's no way that we can make it glamorous and sexy all right. the time. Because otherwise our skin would be so tight that we really couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you run into folks that were interned in uh, concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting down would wear holes in their skin because right. they didn't have fat to pad where they needed padding. Um, You know, not to mention the way your organs suffer when there's not the right balance of nutrition and fat and all of that. But it's something that we really glorify because I think our our culture is uh, fitness and uh, beauty beauty obsessed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it used to be... um, I've seen a lot of articles uh, about this over the years. It used to be that the leading man in Hollywood was a really handsome guy who was charming. Mm. And we knew nothing about what his body looked like because occasionally, like, maybe you'd see Cary Grant um, in shirtless. a scene where he's shirtless. Yeah. But, you know, <clears throat> he, maybe this is self-flattery. I think he looked like me shirtless. Um, 
you know, which was nothing special. He wasn't like ripped. He wasn't ripped. But now, like, if you're going to be a Hollywood leading man or a leading woman, like, you have an airbrushed body uh-huh. um, at all times. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, Chris Pratt, the uh, yeah, yeah. Jurassic World guy, um, he got his start on the sitcom Parks and Rec, and he was known for being this fluffy doofus named Andy and then he you know gets these action roles and he gets ripped and I've heard interviews with him where he says I can't wait to be out of these roles because I can go back to being fluffy (laughs) it's like I was happier when I was fluffy yeah um any other thoughts on exercise as a acceptable addiction well I I I also think it's one again if you've listened to our podcast you know that we talk about internal things versus external Mm -hmm. and a lot of these um, socially acceptable addictions are really externally focused. Mm-hmm. And so I remember um, years ago um, to kind of talking with somebody and they were talking about this woman that they that they knew, that they were friends with, and that they were saying, like, I don't know if I like her. Like, I don't know if she's a good friend, right? But she was, she, like, she exercised all the time and she had the perfect house and, right, it looked from the external that she had this great life and and she was kind of going down these things like how can I not like her or think she's a good friend if she looks great and Mm -hmm. all of these things about her right and and I said to her I I mean it, it sounds like there's a part of you that is very impressed by her beauty but you don't really find it very inviting Mm -hmm. and there's that disconnect there but you're more likely to trust your impression right in this extra or what you can see mm-hmm. even though internally you're like I don't feel comfortable with her I don't really want to open up or talk mm-hmm. to her like there's nothing inviting about this person but they are very impressive mm-hmm. and I think these socially acceptable addictions are that mm-hmm. and that's I, I don't know if I would call it the human lie detector but there's this human connection detector that you can't fool mm-hmm. like you know warmth and genuine genuineness when you feel it right um, and I, I think that's the mechanism with any addiction is there's external regulation being sought for an internal problem uh-huh. that we don't know how to solve right. or don't think is solvable. Mm-hmm. And so it's that very young, childlike response is I'm going to surround myself with the things that make me secure um, because there's not an ability to provide security mm-hmm. for the, the self. Mm-hmm. But these things will hold me up and prop me up mm-hmm. so, so that people or myself don't realize that there's nothing really mm-hmm. internally holding me up. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a place, like, don't don't get me wrong, I think there's a place for external supports mm-hmm. in our life, and there's times where we, we can't get what we need any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, in a couple of days, my oldest goes in for surgery to get his tonsils removed, and... Um, He's a very pain averse child. This is this mm. is the kid who like ran around the pediatrician's office, and he's almost nine. This was like two years ago. He ran around the pediatrician's office and hid because he needed a shot oh. for a vaccination <laughs> for school, and um, so he's super pain averse kid, and he's he's had an understandable level of anxiety leading up to this operation, and because um, he had some medical complications when he was born. Yeah, before he yeah. was one, he had major like open chest, uh-huh. heart and lung bypass type surgery. Which while his conscious mind may not remember it, the mm-hmm. body does. His body definitely remembers it and um so he's he's even been looking at pictures from that age and like how did I do in the hospital and what was that like and we've been talking to him, he's talked to other friends who have had their tonsils out. Um yesterday afternoon, um he went and toured the surgical center where he was mm-hmm. going to have the procedure at and 
um, this morning I go into his bedroom to say hi before I went to work for the day and he says look at this and he pulls this little doll in a um, little cloth gown. doll in a hospital yeah. gown out that he got to draw a face on and he named it Dave and he wrote Dave across the doll's butt and he thought that was really <laughs> funny um, and he said Dave is helping me to be ready for the surgery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now I know that like Dave is a symbol yeah, and D- Dave's not preparing him at all, right? To to greet that, but it's an external thing that helps yes. him to focus on some some hope, yes. maybe some calm, and we need those kind of things in our life. Which is the other, um, I will say, with these socially acceptable addictions, we're looking at some. I mean, as with any addiction, right? We're really looking at some immature development, mm-hmm. right? This person really hasn't developed beyond like that child that. For kids, those external objects really do work, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is age appropriate. Mm-hmm. But for adults, that doesn't really work and mm-hmm. is a sign of immature development. Mm-hmm. But it's harder for them to see the immaturity because these things are so socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting when I'm working with folks who um, come in primarily for sex addiction. Um, it's not uncommon. In fact, I think it's really normal that they reach a certain point in sobriety where they're like, I would like my body to function better. Mm. Um, I would like to feed myself more nutritiously. Mm-hmm. I would like to change my relationship with work. Um, and so there, there's definitely space for that in a healthy mm-hmm. life, but they're not going at it from this. This is going to solve my problems. Mm-hmm. Um I, th- I think more often they approach it from this, I would like to improve my quality of life and I deserve yeah. that. And so this is where that saying too much of a good, you can never have too much of a good thing. Well, you mm-hmm. can, mm-hmm. right? Too much of a good thing is an addiction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so these things can be good, um, but they also can then get in the way of mm-hmm. a balanced life mm-hmm. and having other meaningful things that come into your life. So I want to ask you your thoughts on this because um, I think screens fall into this category mm-hmm. of socially acceptable addictions, but we don't talk about like we don't we don't overtly glorify mm-hmm. a screen addiction, but we certainly don't do anything to curb it. Well, or here's this, right? I see this from time to time on Facebook with different friends of mine on Facebook, where you can totally like with socially acceptable behaviors, you can totally acknowledge it. Yeah. Right. So they'll say, "I am here at work, and I've got like." Four projects I need to be working at, but here I am scrolling through Facebook, mm-hmm. wasting time, mm-hmm. right? And th- they have no shame in posting that, right? Which often happens with these socially acceptable behaviors, right? I remember one time uh, having a client go to a um, work, work like a twelve-step meeting for work addiction, and I was kind of prepping them, like like I do for any client who's going to go to a meeting. Like, there's going to be some nervousness. There's going to be some anxiety. There's going to be some shame. And he came back and told me, like, none of that. Like, there's no shame in that Yeah, <laughs> I found myself bragging, and that's what they kept having to tell me about. Like, mm-hmm. you're bragging again. Like, mm-hmm. this is part of the problem is that it's not shame that shuts us down. It's the bragging that gets us out of touch with everything Mm -hmm. and that we feel no shame about our addictions and we go in and try to top everybody, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, you work that, you work 60 hours a week? Well, guess what I work, Mm -hmm. right? And and so it's that they're still out of touch with that, but the reasoning for why they're out of touch isn't usually shame, which it Mm -hmm. is with a lot of other addictions. Mm -hmm. So I think screens is definitely one and we can openly joke about it, Mm -hmm. but we still don't recognize the seriousness of it. 
And and I think a lot of those open jokes about the socially acceptable addictions hurt people's ability to make the changes that mm-hmm. they need to. Yeah. Because it's a throwaway comment. It's a throwaway behavior. Yeah. Um, there's not an acknowledgement of the actual impact yeah. on the person's life. Well, and, and that's where you can look at, and I've made this joke before too because I think it's funny, but, you know, where, where you're like, you know, why does Netflix, when I go to watch the next episode, say on previous episode and mm-hmm. show me the clips they like they think it's it. you know like they think it's been a week since i watched this and like i'm just binging through this like i i don't need to know it would be reminded well, they even have the button now skip right. intro skip, skip intro like come on i'm binging this right and and i think that's funny but at the same time like i've worked with people who their um character that like people in the movies are the relationships they're having mm-hmm. in replace in, instead of or replacing the real life relationships mm-hmm. that they don't have, but they're not aware that they don't have mm-hmm. relationships with real people because these people in the movies or their series are real to them. Mm-hmm. And and you notice with all of these um, with all of these socially acceptable addictions, and I would even venture into the ones that aren't socially acceptable. There's a legitimate need that's attempting to be met. Mm-hmm. So you know, a very lonely, isolated person who is best friends with everybody on their yeah. their series that they watch. Like, um, on the surface, you may look at that and say, that's weird. That's also an incredibly sad story. Yes. You know, the person who's terrified to miss a day of exercise because um, they worry they might get fat. Yeah. Um, or, or if they have, like, a slice of birthday cake, they have to double work out the next day. They have to day. punish themselves yeah. the next day to make up for it. Like, that's a very sad story, mm-hmm. too. Um, and that's really what is at the heart of all of this. I, I think addiction, whether it's socially acceptable or whether it's not, what we're grappling with as a society is our ability to face real um, negative emotion Yeah. Um, and, and to grapple with what that means. Um, I think for some people, for, for many people, I think it's more acceptable to throw yourself into a, an obsession than it is to openly grieve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so I think one of the other ones that comes in with, like you were talking about screen addictions, I think gambling, mm-hmm. right? Depending on where you live, it may be more socially acceptable than other states, right? But we also have to look at gambling runs quite a gamut, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, it could be things like my fantasy football team, right, where we all have some money in that, mm-hmm. and I really become obsessed Mm-hmm. with watching all the games so that I know how my fantasy football is is doing. I also work with a lot of couples where just whatever the sport is that mm-hmm. usually it's he really likes, it, it interferes with the marriage, yeah. right? And maybe they're not gambling on it, but they're so inv- invested in their team and that sport in general that other things... Um, fall apart and and there's so much conflict that's created that they haven't really worked through that by the time the next season comes around Mm -hmm. and so but I think gambling you know again it may be lottery tickets it may I mean there's a lot of different forms of gambling gambling is a really interesting one to me because I think gambling at like the penny and dollar level Uh we really like oh that's so sad those are desperate people um high stakes gamblers who can make and lose hundreds of thousands or millions in one game like we televise yeah those like right. there's an ESPN channel for that yeah um and again like to me that speaks to some of that 
our society's money mm-hmm. obsession. Yes. Um, that's an okay one because, you know, they can stand to make and lose yeah. hundreds or of dollars. Or because it's connected with sports, mm-hmm. right? Which sports is an acceptable addiction. Mm-hmm. And so if we combine money with sports, mm-hmm. now we've got two addictions going on. Mm-hmm. Two, <laughs> two wrongs make a right. Right, right. There you go. <laughs> it's actually three lefts make a right. That's how that goes. Um, yeah, so... This is something that we would encourage you as listeners to keep an eye out for and kind of keep this going in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, We talk about this uh, not just to have an interesting conversation or to be controversial at all, but I think healing from any one addiction requires us to look at all of them. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think it's also really good. We just wrapped up our series on um, recovering and how to mm -hmm. deal with your kids at the various ages once you get into recovery, right? So if you've listened to that series and now you start thinking about these socially acceptable addictions, start thinking about how that's going to impact the kids at that various Mm -hmm. level, right? Or Mm -hmm. impact the the relationship that you're in, the partner that you're with because the addiction becomes a substitute Mm -hmm. for those primary relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for listening today. We want to remind you at the end of this episode that your story matters. Remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to, re- to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.